Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. I'm so grateful that you tuned in. This week's episode features Dr. Mark Ronert. He is the co founder of Image Skincare and the co founder and creator of Hush and Hush. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Tanya Zuckerbrot. She is the founder of F Factor. Happy listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am pleased to be sitting with Dr. Mark Ronert. He is the co-founder of Image Skincare and the owner and founder of Hush & Hush. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Great to be here. Super excited. So um, let's start with my favorite question because I love learning about everyone's minutia. How will you be spending your day today? Yeah, it's a great day for me. Um, love the city. Always excited to come here. Uh, flew in last night, so I had plenty of time this morning to clear my thoughts. Did some yoga and meditation. Uh, worked out a little bit. Had a great breakfast at the hotel for over an hour. Just sit there and read the newspaper. I just had a great day so far. And now I'm talking to you. And um, I'm going to meet with my publicist a little bit later for lunch talk a little bit about social media, um, events and opportunities, and then going to catch a flight back to Palm Beach to tuck the kids um, back in bed. So that's my plan for today. How old are your kids? Ten years. Are they twins? Twins. Mm -hmm. Boy and a girl. Oh, how fun. Yeah, it's a fun time. It's a good age. Great age. You know, we're still at the point where they're listening to you, so you have a little bit of impact so we're really uh, enjoying the time right now. Well, um, we have a lot of um, ideas to go through because your background is really fascinating. Uh, so you have a medical background. Yeah. Um, right. Talk us through why you wanted to be a physician. Yeah, that's a great question for me. Um, the, the honest truth is it never really uh, faced me. As an early, in, in, in early age, three years, four years old, I always wanted to become a physician. I cannot, cannot explain it. It's just the way how, how I guess I was wired. We didn't have any uh, background in the family, no, no relatives that were physicians, but I always wanted to become a doctor. It was just totally natural to me. And um, so I was interested in physiology, how the body functions, how the cells communicate with each other, what can go wrong. And um, for a short period of time, I went to the United States as, a, as an uh, exchange student, played tennis in a tennis camp. But when I came back, I finished high school and I knew I wanted to go to medical school. And, and that's what I did. Went to medical school in Dusseldorf, but also in the University of Copenhagen, in New York and in Miami. And um, that, that, that's kind of how, how, how it all started. What I learned about myself during the phase of medical school, though, is that I was very emotionally attached to patients. So if they would have chronic diseases or some serious issues going on, I would take that back home. I would, would get very emotional about it. It really, really um, impacted my emotional state of well-being. So I knew I, I couldn't deal with really sick people, and I was trying to find something that that was, would be fulfilling. So I was looking at orthopedic surgery or other um, um, specialties where I could fulfill my passion. 
but I would see immediate results. You know, if you do a surgery after two, three hours, you see the result, you, you have the success. Uh, and one day I was um, uh, attending a lecture, a huge auditorium, uh, and, and, and the, the professor of plastic surgery was giving a lecture about plastic surgery. And I was sitting there just with one other girl next to me. I still remember that like it was yesterday. Uh, and that was the defining moment because he talked to us, two people in this huge room, like the entire room would be filled. He had such a passion and enthusiasm for the subject of plastic surgery. I know at that moment I want to become a plastic surgeon. And, and that was in the second year of medical school and, and that really changed my life from, from that day on. So um, the way you fell into beauty is a really interesting story because um, wanting to be a plastic surgeon, going to school for it all those many years, um, and then fast forward and you're a co-owner of a skincare brand, um, a lot happened in between. Yeah, So how, sure. how did you go from <laughs> um, finishing all your education around plastic surgery to getting into the beauty business? So in, in total, I, I spent about 12 years in, in, um, in the medical field. And in 2004, that was one of those other defining moments in my life where um, I was traveling back then with my former chief of plastic surgery, Professor Albrecht is his name. He was the German president of the Association of German Plastic Surgeons, very well regarded. We were traveling to Houston, Texas to a conference and I was supposed to give a presentation, uh, and then after three days, I would, would fly back home to Düsseldorf, and, and um, that was all great. Uh, back then in the, our clinic, we did a ton of clinical research. Uh, for example, we invented small, tiny little tissue expanders we would put underneath the skin, and it would absorb body fluids, <clears throat> and it would swell up, and then we used that skin to either reconstruct breasts after breast cancer, or we, do, we would do t uh, tumor defect coverage. So it was very um, a great, interesting research we did around those little, um, what we called osmotic tissue expanders. And I was traveling around the world giving lectures and presentations about our findings. And it happened to be in August 2004 on the 21st, I still remember, of course, the day um, that changed my life and hopefully also the life of my future wife that I met at that conference. And it was coincidence, call it faith, fate, destiny, or sheer luck, but we met there. Our stories differ a little bit, how we met. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but I keep that a secret. <clears throat> um, but we met there and we found such an incredible emotional connection and we were so much in line with our visions and dreams about our life and the career we wanted to uh, to start and, and the passion for business and entrepreneurship. I mean, for me, uh, being in, in, in residency for plastic surgery, I, I had my, my path completely mapped out, you know. After six year, years of residency, I wanted to open my own private practice. I wanted to start my business. I could never picture myself working for somebody else. And then obviously when we met, we, we had some very tough decisions to make very, uh, very uh, quickly. Uh, 
because she was living in Houston, Texas. I was living in Germany. We would see each other on the weekends, flying uh, 13, 14 hours on a Friday and flying back home on Sunday. And we did that for a little bit. Um, but we knew if we could combine our forces together, we could create something very special. You know, she was a businesswoman. She was an esthetician. And with my medical background, um, we, we really ha had a had a vision how we could combine this and 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 create a skincare brand that is based on science, on clinical evidence, on on results, on on something that people could feel the difference and improvement in their skin really quickly, and and it really made sense. So I basically sold everything uh, when I become became uh, board certified, and I moved to Texas. So I just want to recap this. You you trained, you traveled to Texas. Mm -hmm. That day you met a woman. Correct. You, you had yeah. enough conversation to understand her aspirations, dreams, and goals for business, but also for her life. Well, that didn't happen in, in just <laughs> one conversation. So that, that, that evolved over continuing talking on the phone, visiting each other. Um, I did a, um, a fellowship at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Um, in October that same year and she would visit my, uh, me there I would fly to Houston and we would obviously get to know each other more and more uh, it was a long t distance relationship but but um, w we had such a great uh, connection that that um, we we started to talk about business fairly quickly and, and, and I was super interested in what she was doing she started this company a year before, and and uh, I was just super impressed, and I hope that she might have been also a little bit impressed about myself. So well, you met and made enough of a spark, right, that you wanted to have these conversations. Right, right. So I think the lesson to all the listeners is to attend the medical conferences. Um. I, I think the <laughs> message is, you got you never know what's going to happen. You just have to be open for for any opportunity that presents itself. So you are traveling back and forth to see each other, not the um, most ideal circumstances. Um, what decision did you land on? So the decision I landed on is that I have to marry this girl uh, fairly quickly before Christmas. And I invited her for, for the holidays to Germany to meet my parents, and they were super excited to meet, meet this very intelligent, driven, motivated girl that that happened to like me a lot so i didn't flunk very long and and proposed to her in march on the eiffel tower in paris something that you probably have to do for an american girl uh, that that was my plan and that's what i did and she said yes and she said yes yeah so where do you live you live in germany what, what happens there so what happened is obviously it was a tough choice for myself to, for the outside friends and people, it would probably look like I, I would have given up my career, but I never, I never pictured it that way. Um, I gained more than I, than I gave up. Um, so we discussed it. Am I going to open my practice? Uh, is she going to move to Germany? Not speaking one speak of, of German. Uh, is is an opportunity for for us to get together and and do something together and and that's what where we ended up. 
so I like I like I said, I sold everything that I owned, the apartment, the furniture, the cars, well, the, the one car that I owned, and and I moved to Texas, and then we got married the the year afterwards, and from there it really it's been an incredible journey together. Um, we built this this local brand out to to become a global skincare line. We sell our products in 60 countries. We supply about 20,000 spas in the United States. So it's it's been really a great great story together. It's been a, a fun fun wild ride. And this um, business image skincare is it still um, family owned? It's it's um, 2015. We brought in a private equity firm, um, but but it's privately independently owned. Uh, we we have a significant portion, and our partner has a significant portion, and we still own the company. It's still our baby. You know, I'm I'm on the board of of the company. I'm the chairman of the development uh, innovation side, and my wife is the chairwoman of the board. Uh, so so we are we are very intensely involved in the vision and the continuation of the success of the company. So let's just back up. Um, when you decided to move to the U.S., you couldn't practice. Um, no, I couldn't mm-hmm. because I, I wasn't licensed here. So that's a little tricky because if you're an American and you come to Europe, it's fairly easy to to apply for your papers. And for, for me, I would have had to do all the United States licensing, medical examinations. I would have to do residency all over, and I was just not ready to do that. I, I did take the, the American medical license, uh, uh, the examination I, I took, but I didn't follow through and I never never wanted to repeat my education again. It would have been another five years. wouldn't make sense. So you dove into the building of the brand together. That, that's what mm-hmm. we did, yeah. Well, um, where do you think the courage inside of you came from to say, I just spent 12 years building this for myself in Germany and I'm going to do what some people would see as a risk or um, some people would judge you around like, well, what are you doing with all that education knowing you can't practice in the U.S.? Um, what gave you that courage to just make the decision that you felt was the right one? <clears throat> yeah, great question. I, I think I got to give my parents all the credit for, for the way how they raised me because they, they told me whatever makes you happy, pursue your passion and dreams, you know. They originally wanted me to go to a, a banking education, which I, I totally declined. Uh, and they were fine with it. And I think besides my friends that all thought I, I would be nuts to give all this up after so many years, my parents were in full support and said, you know, go for it. Try something different. If that makes you happy, you, you need to you need to do it. So for myself, I've I've never looked at this as something that I gave up or that it needed a ton of courage. I think I had full faith in, in my wife, Jana. I trusted her 100%. I trusted ourselves. I trusted myself that we can make this a total success. I never doubted it in one second. So... It came natural and easy, even if it looks like a total uh, courageous move, which it wasn't in my head. And and I mean, 
theoretically, if it would have not worked out, I could have still go back, you know. Um, back then in Germany, we were 250 board-certified plastic surgeons. The opportunity was wide open. I could have gone back a few years later and, and opened my shop still back then. So, But, but I didn't think about that. Um, so what was it that most inspired you about her vision for image skincare? Yeah, she had a, a very crystal clear vision of how this company should be structured. And 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 I liked every, every aspect of it. The way how she set up uh, the initial products, they were all color-coded. They were divided into categories that would match skin conditions. Um, there was a prescription pad that you would, it is almost like a physician would fill out a prescription for you to educate you on what you should take. So they had a very medical touch, uh, and 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 the products spoke for for themselves. They had really great results. You, you, we had um, very active chemical peels that physicians would use only or estheticians. Uh, and and just very effective products that really did something that they promised to do, and 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 they were not lost in marketing hype. You know what what nowadays is so such a noisy industry of full of hype and claims and marketing gimmicks that that none of that was there. It was just based on results that that everybody could see and feel. And she built it up grassroots with zero money and back then we didn't have any money uh, we, we we knocked on doors one time one door at a time uh, we, we didn't spend any marketing dollars in the first six seven years because a we didn't have it and b um, we, we we just did it a very grassroots approach and the brand is it physician dispensed it's only licensed professionals so we are pretty strict or we are very strict to who we whom we sell. We wouldn't sell to supermarkets or department stores for a very long time. We we did not want to sell it online, which nowadays <clears throat> you 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 have to, you know. But we would only sell to licensed physicians and estheticians. That would be our market, a very niche market that we would operate in. And um, the estheticians would use the products during their yeah, treatments. There, there's home care products that you could take home. After your treatment, and there, there are treatment and peeling uh, products that the esthetician, the physician would use and apply in in the office. So I want to fast forward because you told me something that I was really inspired by. That um, recently you took, after many many years running Image with your wife, you took a sabbatical. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, and the um, thought of that is really intriguing to me. Um, tell me what the process was for you in terms of what your headspace was leading up to the sabbatical? Like, why do it? Why even consider it? Um, and how did you, what were your goals for that time and how did you spend mm -hmm. your time? So first of all, I didn't have any goal. I, I, I did it because I felt I, I have to change something. And um, the, the many dimensions of reasoning, and one of the reasons was um, image was very successful we built a great management team and I just didn't feel like I, I needed to go to the office on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I didn't see the, the need for myself anymore. I was very involved in the product development and, 
and we had a pipeline for the next three years. You know, we had it all mapped out. So I, I didn't, I didn't feel, I guess, uh, needed anymore on a day-to-day -day basis. The second uh, point was that I did it for so many years. We were very successful, and I was kind of missing something in in my life because it became routine, and we we became too complacent or too comfortable with the situation overall. And and I I, I wanted to get uh, challenged again. I wanted to to do something else. I didn't know what at that time what I wanted to do, but I I, I knew I needed to 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 change something for for the better. And then the last point is we back then we had eight year old twins. I was 150 days of the year gone, on the road, traveling, servicing 60 countries that we built, you know, from Saudi Arabia to Dubai to Switzerland to Germany to Ireland. Uh, several times a year I would fly to Ireland because that happened to be our number one market for image. Uh, so I, I realized if I don't change something now... I'm not going to see the kids growing up, you know. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I. I. I wouldn't feel happy, and I wanted to feel happy again, and I wanted to feel great about getting out of bed and and doing something different. So I made the very tough choice, an emotional choice to to leave the baby that grew up and went to college, basically, uh, and 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 f and clear my head, and I got into meditation. I got into yoga. I, I had days where I didn't do anything. Wait, I have a question. When you started the sabbatical, did you really stop checking your email? Like, did you... Have, yeah, that's tough, huh? Right, like, <laughs> our hands and our brains are used to ex people wanting us, right? Yeah, it's right? terrible. So what, um, those, that first week, or did you... Um, Nightmare. <laughs> no, I want to know. Yeah, like, very emotional. Mm -hmm. Several weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the emails are still on. Um, trying to... Um, get an assistant for all the activities that were still happening in the background. We we own an apartment in Berlin. We have a house in Italy. So there's a lot of things going on. We also own a little winery in, in Tuscany. So there was still stuff going on. I couldn't just sign off, you know. Uh, and that was very, very tough for the first several weeks. And... Um, I have a type A hyperactive wife that if I would sit somewhere and do nothing, even though if I want to clear my my head, she would she would look at me funny and say, you know what, you you don't want to do anything in your life. You're still so young. So that was that was a struggle. Um, and she was not on sabbatical. She was still no, working. she could mm -hmm. never. She could not sit five minutes still. Absolutely not. Uh uh So um, impossible when. Um, when the emails stop rolling in for me, for whatever reason, maybe like people are taking care of business and they just don't need me, my body is wondering why there aren't emails. Like, did your body respond to like getting pulled out of the day-to-day -day and wonder why the messages weren't coming in? Uh, no. No, I was actually happy when, when not so many emails came in. And, and I think the company did a good job getting me a little isolated from the day to day um and and that was good because i didn't want to get pulled in on a day to day basis that wasn't the point you know 
if you if you step back and then you still have to answer questions and and come in that that wouldn't that would defeat the purpose so i wasn't i wasn't upset about less emails or more emails but but emails would still come in and we have international partners that would email me they wouldn't fully comprehend what the situation was and 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 uh, would would still feel like they needed to talk to me um but but overall best decision of my life absolutely don't regret it at all and during that time were you taking the kids to school i did in the morning i dropped them off and then i had a long 8 9 hour time frame for myself i uh, played a lot of tennis i did a lot of meditation that that super helped me pick the kids up again and and uh, but but what what i forgot to tell you is um i was also in the process of writing a book so it wasn't like the 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 street bum would sit there on the couch and and eat potato chips that wasn't the case so i i knew that i had much more time to to focus on on the book that i wanted to write and what is the book about book is called age later um how to live younger or or look younger in 7 years and just 7 weeks and what i found fascinating is plastic surgery is not the holy grail for looking younger you know skincare is not the holy grail to age later you you have to see it in a holistic way uh what what you can do yourself uh, and, and i think that that's the biggest message from the book that you got it in your own hands how you can delay the aging process how you can look younger for a longer period of time and, and, and i'm i'm i did a ton of research uh, the, the book has almost 300 references of clinical data so it's all based on science and 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 the latest research that that tells us that only 20% of our genetic makeup is responsible for how the way how we age and 80% is environmental and and res- responsible are our daily living choices that we make throughout the day so i can take the escalator or i can take the stairs i can eat french fries for lunch or i can eat a salad it doesn't seem significant each of those little puzzle pieces but if you put them all together over a course of days years months coming it makes a huge significant impact on your life uh, the way how you age and and that's what the book is about. And did the research of the book lead to the development of Hush and Hush? Yeah, r- right. That that was the logic step for myself. Um, when I wrote the book, I learned so much how food changes everything from your from your mind, from your your well-being, from your mental well-being. Uh, stress has a huge impact on your life, nutrition, exercise, all those parts make such a big impact that I created kind of a long-term vision for myself that I said eventually everything that I put on my skin or put in my mouth I want to create myself I want to be in 100% control what I'm doing to my body so I was thinking about deodorants I was thinking about shampoos and conditioners I was thinking about the, the vitamins I would take periodically but not consistently because I didn't didn't really believe in it and that's how how the idea around hush and hush evolved to create a company that is a health 
care company because the skincare we got covered with with image and now I want to focus on the overall health and educate people how to make better choices throughout their, their life and and we develop very specific products just a few to help you with with specific things so for example I'm a vegetarian I don't eat any meat so I always had a had a problem how do I find some vegan organic uh, protein so I developed a protein powder so so uh, selfish reasons basically why, why I developed those products um so my last question I think probably most of our listeners would really be excited to hear the answer to so um for type you mentioned type A right you're you're married to a type mm-hmm. A and my guess is you're a little yeah, type A-ish, a little a, right? a B maybe she's a plus and you're yeah, a she's a triple turbo <laughs> plus I <yeah. laughs> can't wait to meet her um so what are some tips to help other type A people slow down even if it doesn't mean a whole sabbatical but having the time to maybe like feel a little serenity or a little more joy or um just like some moments of actually not being pulled in multiple directions. So after the sabbatical and the transition into the sabbatical and out of the sabbatical, what are some tips that you can give our listeners? Yeah. See, I, I live in both worlds, in Germany and in the United States. So I also have, I see the best out of both worlds. And and what we have in Germany is mandatory vacations, which sounds crazy in this country to take six weeks off but it, it, it shows you something about product, productivity and effectiveness. You know, you don't have to work hard every single day of the year. I think you got to force yourself to slow down and make some mindful decisions to not check your emails the, the second you step out of your bed. You got to take the half an hour in your day to reflect and be a little bit more mindful about what you're doing and, and just smell the roses once in a while without being so much engraved in, in this hamster wheel. It's absolutely necessary for, for your entire well-being and longevity that, that you think about yourself and, and give yourself a little bit time during the day and not race from, from one appointment to another. I think there's, there's a difference between um, balance and, and being effective and, and, and being constructive and just being busy and work hard. Uh, everybody's trying to work so hard. You know, I don't get it. You, you, you got to balance your life out in, in, in order to be uh, effective. Why do you um, think that people are so fearful to be away from their work? Great question. I, I don't know. I think this is society that that does not build it in enough uh, that that this should be an integral part of our well-being and and lifestyle it um you you hear those CEOs and even the president brag about that they only need 2 hours of sleep you know uh, so you kind of feel guilty if you don't do it but i think science has has proven us wrong that that um you need your sleep. Sleep is super essential uh, for your well-being, uh, the same way as feel, feeling uh, accomplished and productive and, and make a difference in the world. On the other hand, you also need to, to balance that out and, and relax and, and, and just hear yourself breathe and, and clear your mind. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. It was so great to get to know you and your story. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Mark. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.